Welcome in another episode, another edition, if you will, of The Lions Den. You know what I spent out, by the way, Tom Hackett here, Spencer Warner, as always. Thanks for joining. Um, the more I think about it, Spencer, The Lions Den, do you reckon the Netflix show Tiger King maybe gained some inspiration from our podcast, potentially? Absolutely. You, you do resemble a younger Joe Exotic with that stash you're going on. Good Lord. I've serious? seen the earrings. I've seen the earrings back in the day, son. So uh, we, we, know, we know where he got, he got his style from. Mm. Well, if mm. I was better with names, I'd call you one of the, uh, one of the other... Um, Husbands? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's or the fella <laughs> in North Carolina that <laughs> is in all sorts of disarray himself. <laughs> oh, okay, anywho. Well, um, well, well, disarray being the right word is how we've just started off oh. this uh, Zoom podcast. I'm, I, I don't want to offend anybody, <laughs> but... Like, those series uh, are one of the few reasons the United States of America gets the rap that it does globally. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. like seriously, it's a, it's a South, you know, what is, uh, okay. Anyhow, try it. Hopefully that didn't offend. We got a good show for you. We're going to talk. Uh, obviously there was news that broke yesterday, created a bit of a buzz for all the wrong reasons. Uh, Deloitte Hanson, owner of Real Salt Lake, furloughed and um all of his part-time employees i believe or, or at least most of them and um and the executives and full-time employees received a uh, substantial pay cut so we'll talk about that there was a lot of emotion online worth getting to um and then freddie juarez was uh, was on was on a press conference yesterday as he was the week before i couldn't join this week even though i got the invoite right <laughs> right yeah that's all right work takes priority. You've got to pay the bills, Spenno. So, uh, but anyway, there was some fascinating um, conversation, topics of conversation that came out of that that's worth getting to as well. But first, Spenno, uh, the furloughs, the pay cuts. Yeah. Um, where, I guess, where, where do you want to start? Do you want to have first crack at it? Uh, well, I mean, do I really want first crack at it? I know, I know a bunch of full-time employees have been furloughed as well. Um, you know, good friends of mine in the front office that, uh, you know, I feel sorry for at this moment in time. Um, no real surprise. Is it really Tom that it was going to happen? I mean, no, you know, and we had a brief discussion before we hit record that, you know, like it shouldn't surprise people. Should it, that Real Salt Lake were the first major league soccer club to do this. It's, it's uh, it's kind of the way, unfortunately, ownership has conducted things in the past. They are brutal. They they he's been doing it, Mr. Hansen, at uh, at many levels. You know, Broadway media being one of them. A couple of weeks ago, I know Broadway media, who Mr. Hansen also owns, um, furloughed every part-time employee they have, as well as cutting twenty percent of of, uh, of full-time employees' paychecks. So. And then, of course, with the Utah Jazz, the Larry H. Miller Group, which is uh, it's a bigger organization than what Deloitte Hansen runs, believe it or not. They have over 80 companies that they operate. They, they did something similar late last week. Um, and speaking with a few people around the club, they, they kind of saw the writing on the wall when, when Larry H. Miller did it um, themselves. So, uh, But at the end of the day, I think it's... I think it's it's certainly unfortunate. Um, 
but not surprising, which is, which is not a good thing to say about the owner of, 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 of our football club that we support and rally behind, is it? No, no. And, you know, I feel really the heart goes out to the, the guys that are going to be struggling right now. Obviously, unemployment's going to be uh, available, but that's not a scratch on your salary. Um, you know, when it's all said and done, and hopefully uh, they, the, uh, these other guys and gals can find employment very quickly, if needs be, uh, to pay their bills or this horrendous virus. Um, you know, we, we uh, stop the curve, uh, we flatten that out, and uh, we can all get back to watching soccer and them all having full-time jobs or part-time jobs um, uh, and, you know, being able to pay their bills. So hopefully... Uh, there's there's some good news around the, the you know around the the corner for everybody involved, but uh, certainly a sad day for the club. The way it was handled, not overly impressed, um, particularly when there are other ownership groups around Major League Soccer that I feel are doing the right thing. Um, Atlanta United, uh, uh, sorry, Atlanta United being the uh, at the forefront of that. Yes, I know he's a very very rich owner. Also has the Atlanta Falcons uh, to look after, but, um, you know, doing the right thing uh, in these tough times and, and looking after people that quite honestly live paycheck to paycheck. And, um, you know, it sucks. It, it, you know, we, we're all in this together and um, hopefully, as I said, we can, uh, you know, let's see, get uh, a light at the end of the tunnel and move forward very, very quickly. And I guess, you know, uh, the news was bad uh, yesterday morning at about 11 o'clock when the, when the statement was released. It, it got worse as the day went on. A lot of emotion online. Uh, if you're on the Twitter sphere, um, then we'd highly recommend go on a follow um, all the guys from, from the RSL show. Uh, they do great work, have great opinions, and, um, and aren't afraid to share them. Um, and, and Jake, kind of the catalyst behind the RSL show, uh, stated that after doing some digging, and again, we, we can't confirm this right now, uh, so we're kind of take, going off Jake's word, but he said the playing group, the Real Salt Lake playing group, tried to offer um, a month's worth of, of their paycheck, and apparently all the players were involved, and they were all willing to, to give up one month's salary, which, uh, which is a lot of money, right? They're the breadwinners of the organization they, they make the most um, and as they should, they're the ones doing all the work and, um, and, and for whatever reason, according to Jake, anyway, that the league office, major league soccer themselves shut that down and said, no, that's, that's not going to be appropriate. That, uh, that will not take place and uh, we won't allow it, which I, um, I guess I don't understand that it, it doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense to me when when your owner is is furloughing and cutting paychecks left and right clearly financially they're not in in the same space that they would they would they would hope to be in right and and if there's a way to get out of it without having to cut paychecks or furlough employees then why would the league office spenno shut that down i i I don't understand. You know, the league office's main role, in my opinion, is to progress the game of football in North America. And this is certainly not doing that. This is going back in the, in the wrong direction, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, and, and it's well documented that the Major League Soccer holds all the contracts. They uh, pay the wages of the players. It goes through um, all uh, – it goes – all of it goes through Major League Soccer, which, you know, obviously, um, 
probably has something to do with it. They have not covered themselves in glory. Um, again, going off uh, word of mouth, um, I, I'm very surprised that uh, the the growth of the sport um, is being damaged. Um, not particularly the players, because I think the players are on board. Um, I think the players realise their privilege. Now, I, re- I also realise that their, their wages aren't massive compared to other leagues in the world. Obviously, we have de- designated players, so you know that goes without saying. But the, the fact that everybody within this squad was on board, um, the, pe- the guys that are, are earning uh, a league minimum, um, that were, were willing to cut their paychecks, you know, and, and, and donate to, to the staff that help, to be honest with you, run the club. Good people that run that club day in, day out, 12 months of the, you know, of the year and, uh, and work long, long hours for not only game days from, for Real Salt Lake, but the Royals and the Monarchs. Um, you know, they, they, they work some long, long hours. And, um, you know, for them to not to be able to help, um, I, I can see there'll be a little, uh, a little bit of dissent there uh, with the players. Uh, again, I don't know the ins and outs. We don't know everything behind the scenes or the reasoning behind that. I just find it a little bit strange that the players aren't able to uh, to, to make that gesture uh, out of goodwill uh, when they were willing to do so. Uh, that said, I mean, we're, we've already seen what has happened uh, in Europe uh, right now. Um, <clears throat> Tottenham Hotspurs and um, Newcastle United have done the same thing with their staff. Uh, they have followed a lot of their staff. Um, Liverpool tried to do it at the start of this week. Uh, the backlash from the fans made them make a very, very quick uh, reverse or reversal of that decision within 24 hours. So they will not be following any of their staff. It's a little bit different. I understand that in Europe, you are, when it's all said and done, able to um, sell a player for 30, 20, 30. 40 million and um, that money could be used to bail a club out um, to look after players Um, and that's why uh, I believe Manchester United and Manchester City have come out publicly saying they will not be doing any of that I think there's other clubs as well but those are the two that spring to mind Um, yes I realize that it's Europe there's a little bit more money involved in soccer in Europe Um, so you know it, it probably is easier for clubs but at the end of the day, there are some very, very wealthy owners around the entire Major League Soccer organization, um, including Major League Soccer itself. And they should have done a better job. They knew it was coming. Uh, and I, I just think they've, uh, they've, they've made a really bad um, uh, decision um, to, to, of how they're looking uh, after their staff, their fans. They, I mean, these, let's be honest. My time at Real Salt Lake, I would say maybe 20, 30% of the staff that were on board were not soccer fans. And they got into it as they worked longer for the club. Most of the fans, 60, 70% of the fans that work for, for Real Salt Lake and probably most clubs around Major League Soccer, I know this is a sweeping statement, but I'm great at them, are soccer fans. And, you know, when, when you do that, you tear the heart out of the organization. Um, they're the guys that will keep this club. Uh, along with the fans in the stands, that'll be here long after ownership groups come and go. Right, yeah. Well, I guess that's that's the bad news of uh, the podcast. And again, <laughs> we wish uh, everybody af- affected, which is which is everybody in the club, whether they copped a pay cut or um, 
or were furloughed, yeah. you know, we, we, we hope we can help in any way, shape or form. And, um, and don't, don't hesitate to reach out, I guess, you know, because we're all one big happy family and uh, we just can't wait for, for this whole thing to be over with, I guess. Now, before we go into uh, what Freddie Juarez spoke about yesterday to a select group of, of media members, have you had a chance to watch Sunderland Till I Die, Spenner? I have watched that season. Uh, so season one, I've probably watched a dozen times. That's probably being conservative. The new one I've watched twice through already. I, I love it. Okay, hold your horses. No, no, no. Just just bear in mind. Sunderland has a special place in my heart. That's, that's, that's a town that I lived in for a few months. Um, so I, I love Sunderland itself. So I, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay, so wait, I'll, I'll let you continue. But carry I want, on, no, no, carry on. No, I, I was just going to intrude and say, I am about three episodes into the second season. Yeah. So please don't ruin it for me. <laughs> I'll tell you what, right? And, and I'll tell you about this. Stuart Donald... The owner, right? Not the, not the posh one. Right? No, no, I know, I know. Stuart Donald, he's sound. I mean, you'll you love him because he, he's doing everything he can for the right reasons. Um, I tell you who I'm not all that fond of right now. Which one? Is his executive? I think his name's Chris. Or Charlie, the the tanned one, the posh one. Yeah, with the slick back black hair. Yeah, yeah, he's. Ruffle feathers. He's actually not with the club anymore in real life. Yeah, so he, he left in, in December of uh, 2019. That, you don't see any of that. That's basically after the fact. So uh, that's not ruining anything for him. Okay. But yeah, yeah, no, no, no. He's, his wife was pregnant, so he decided to leave. He was such a fanny. He Can was. fanny? Well, you he's, just did. Yeah, yeah. He's just trying to say stuff for... Yeah, he's I don't know. He ruffles feathers and it's his way or the highway. And he had a quote early in the Diet Coke. Cheers. Yeah, and, yeah. There's, uh, a, there's a plug. That's our new sponsor, by the way. <laughs> not, but could uh, <laughs> be. Uh, enough people drink him here in Utah. But uh, anyhow, yeah, no, he just, he made a quote early in the second season, did Charlie, saying that the, the owner, Stuart Donald, you know, kind of relies on him. He said, well, Stuart, whether he'll, he'll admit it or not, you know, often relies on my guidance. To and I'm like, hold on a second. I'm like, you're you, mate. You know, like Stuart Donald has just invested. It didn't. It didn't quite say how much, but I can only imagine the amount of money spent to buy Sunderland, despite what division they're in. I mean, massive, massive football club. Stadium Alight is world-renowned stadium. 48,000, I mean, they're, I think he said, which was crazy to me, though, is that the, the, the way it was run, they were okay losing 30 to 40 million a season. That's just mad in itself. I mean, I that's know. not them. That's, this is the new ownership going, going what, what are you doing? What's been I going know. on? So I, I understood why he was being a bit of a prat, but uh, there's a way around it, right? Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry on. Well, no, I, I'm at the part Cracking where, uh... series. Where Madja, Madja is... Madja, Madja, Madja. He's on a hot streak, the young bull. And, uh, you know, the rumours are starting to circulate. Will he get traded in January? Will he accept the offer? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just hoping he stays because 
you know, I want them to get back into the championship and all that. Hopefully, I haven't ruined too much for those that haven't watched it. If you if you haven't watched it, you've got to watch it. Spino and I, and it, more more so if you're a football fan, if you're a soccer fan. I mean, it's right up your alley. It's great behind the scenes. You insight. might need you might need some subtitles when they talk to like the locals. That yeah. accent is pretty strong. That took me a good three four months to get used to that accent and be like wait, I'm only four hours away, and I'm just like, what are you saying? So that's what not, were you doing in English. Sunderland? What were, you, were you working up there? Were you one of the working class men? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, part of, that was an area of my LDS mission. So, oh, uh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's a rough part of town, isn't it? it yeah, yeah there's, some, there's some places that you don't want to be around after nine o'clock, absolutely. But great people, great people, solid, solid as a rock, salt of the earth. My best mate back home, one of my best mates, I should say, back home is he's a massive Geordie fan. He's a massive Newcastle fan. So he's That's uh, a good town. That's a good great town. town. Yeah, oh, Geordie yeah. boys. Anyway. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> oh, it cracks me up. I, I, I haven't visited, but I'd love to because they're mad about their football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. Go. Uh, Freddy Juarez, Spenner. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I couldn't join yesterday's meeting. That's two weeks in a row. I'm absolutely gutted. You were able to join this week. And, and it sounds like Freddy Juarez, as you said last week, is really open on these press, on these, uh, press of these, these media uh, conference calls. He is. Um, and, uh, which I love. Um, because he can give stuff away, but... He's that intelligent, and I think he is an intelligent uh, technical, uh, tactical and technical coach. Um, obviously, what goes on on the field, you know, that what, how that's portrayed and, and how that uh, goes on to the field is, is a, a different argument. You know, that's, that's proof in the pudding. We'll see that as the season kicks off. But you did ask a question with regards to David Ochoa as the goalkeeper. Right. No, Olymp- no Olympics this this summer now, uh, which was I hear from the start of the you know the preseason was probably why he didn't have the the number one shirt to start off with, because he will be leaving mid season and why Zach McMath got the nod. But I'd be interested to hear what uh, uh, Freddie Warris had to have had to say with regards to David Ochoa's timeline now. Right, yeah, no, I was, I was I was interested to hear what he had to say only because from fan from the fans are quite vocal about. David Ochoa being the future at, uh, at the goalkeeping position in mm-hmm. between the sticks for Real Salt Lake. And he's a young fella. And, you know, you, you almost feel as though the sooner he gets the, the nod to start, the, the better the club will be down the road. And, um, and he told me, look, he can't put a timeline on it necessarily, which I didn't expect him to do so. But he said, what we're trying to do, and he agreed that David Ochoa is the future, at the goalkeeping position. They certainly want to keep him around and, and see what he's made of. What, what their, their main focus right now with Ochoa is when he eventually gets the chance to start for Real Salt Lake, they want to make sure that he keeps that job, that he plays well enough, shows enough, that he's not going to be going in and out of the lineup constantly because mentally you know that's detrimental to any young player's mm-hmm. confidence and so you know i love what freddie said because it's uh it's it, it is a guessing game to some extent and you are going to have to pull the trigger at some point now whether that's in a couple months time when the season gets back up and running 
or maybe it's not for you know, another year or two, you know, who, who knows, but there's going to come a point where Freddie says to, to himself and to the, the, the assistant coaches, w- w- it's time to give a Choa the, the nod and, and, and let's see what he's capable of. But when he gets that nod, they need to be confident that he's, he's in the best possible mindset. He's, he's playing the best possible football that he can play so that he's, he's that man for a long time, much like what we saw with Nick Romando, right? Once Nick Romando came and joined the club, he was in between the sticks for 15 odd years or whatever it was. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the future they, they envisioned for David Ochoa. So uh, no timeline necessarily, but uh, they're working tirelessly to make sure he's up and running um, and ready to go when his number's called. But he, he did admit, look, developmentally, he still has areas that he needs to work on and, uh, uh, and he needs to grow uh, both physically and, and maybe more so mentally. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, the, the lifeline of a goalkeeper is, uh, is a little, little longer than a, than a skilled positioned player. So they have more time up their sleeve, fortunately. They can, they can, they can allow themselves uh, maybe a few years until they do that. But uh, Freddie was good. He, he did say that, that a show is the future of the club. And I'm sure many fans out there that listen to this podcast would, would love to hear that. Um, yeah, I don't, th- I don't think, you know, it's... It's not rocket science that you've got to put a you know a little bit of cotton wool around these young players. You you, you build them up, particularly these these academy players. You look at the likes of Justin Glad. Um, you look at Corey Baird coming, you know, bursting into the scene, rookie of the year. Now has the number ten jersey on his back. That's a lot of pressure, believe it or not. That's a lot of pressure. Um, obviously, Aaron Herrera has been probably the pick of a bunch for the last couple of seasons. Let's be honest, uh, with regards to 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 great great stories. David Ochoa had a very, very good season last season in the USL, winning a championship. Um, I would have been surprised if he had the number one spot uh, for Real Salt Lake this season. Um, and it's not that I don't want him to. It's that, as he and you have just said, you've got to look after him. You've got to look after him mentally. There is still a, a physical aspect to his game that he needs to improve. He needs to get a little bit bigger. Um, there are certain situations that he gets himself into in USL play. And you'll probably see this a little bit more, Tom, because you're going to be on the, the call for these home games at uh, the Zebra uh, for, this, for this season. But there's sometimes that he gets into um, altercations with uh, other players, uh, which is fun, but there's showing a little lack of maturity. I don't mind banter. I don't mind winding people up but there are certain aspects that need to be stamped out. I think his ceiling is so high that if and when he does uh, get that opportunity, he grasps that opportunity, then you're looking at Andrew Putner and Zach McMath looking for a way out because they're not going to want to go down and play the marks. They've had a taste of Major League Soccer. So you're going to look at shifting a goalkeeper and bringing somebody else in uh, as an understudy, someone that will start a lot of games in USL. Um, and then, you know, a battle with David Ochoa for, for Major League Soccer and Real Salt Lake. But really, this kid could be another Nick Ramondo with regards to how, his longevity. He right. is that good. The only issue now is that I see is if he does establish himself and you see his potential um, of how good he can be, it's holding on to him. Because there are going to be teams from South and Central America, from Mexico, uh, from South America, from Europe, 
that if he does play enough games for the US men's national team, he's going to be a very, very attractive option. You look at Zach Steppen. I know he's not starting a ton of games at, at uh, Manchester City. He went to, to Germany, but he had a great start to his career at the Columbus Crew. And you knew that people were going to come calling uh, for him. And, and, and I think the same if he keeps his head down uh, and he's got some good goalkeeping coaches, not only at Monarchs, but at uh, Real Salt Lake, that uh, I think that the sky's the limit for this young man. Which, by the way, is a great problem for the club to have. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, if you were to have it anyway, that's probably the way you'd want it. So I think the bottom line is RSL's in a really strong position with their goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's arguably the strongest position group they have right now when you just look at the depth you know you could really honestly say you know if need be Zach McMath uh, Andrew Putno David Ochoa if they needed to come in and do a job they'd probably do it you know there are other position groups you quite you couldn't say that you know like for example at left back Donny Toya right Donny Toya is a solid player and he does a good job for you if he went down could 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 Alvin Jones or, or whoever's back in Donny Toy, you're up. Could they come in and do a job? You're probably not nearly as confident, are you? No, no, you're not. Uh, obviously, Ashton Morgan, I'm not sure if he has a work permit sorted out yet as well. So you really are. You're looking at Aaron Herrera switching over to the left back and Alvin Jones getting an opportunity at a right back or Justin Glad. Uh, not ideal. Alvin Jones, I, I think, has got a little, more, a little bit more about him than, than uh, Ashton Morgan. I might be speaking out of turn. Ashton Morgan has a lot of games under his belt up in Canada with Toronto FC, but he's a squad man. He's a squad player. Um, You're right about the goalkeepers. Um, This is probably the strongest core that we've had in a long, long time. Now, bear in mind, we've had Nick Romando for years. Okay, that goes without saying of of, of what a great goalkeeper he was. We have had Jeff Antonella, who was at long time number one up in Portland. You've got Timilia that was over at Sporting KC. uh, That was an understudy. Uh, but you knew they, those guys were good and they were never going to stay. Right now, you've got three players, three goalkeepers really chomping at the bit that if they won the number one job, you'd be like, okay. You don't, when Nick Romando was in his heyday and somebody else beat him out, you'd be like, hold your horses. Yeah, yeah, and that's not quite right. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Now, moving on from the goalkeeper um, question, um, there was also a question. That was asked about Dougie Fresh, Douglas Martinez. Dougie Fresh, what uh, a nickname. Uh, yeah, well, that's his nickname he got in New York when he was over at New York Love Red Bulls 2. Um, and obviously, he came on against uh, New York Red Bulls and changed what I would say the attack. Uh, a lot more prominent with Demir Krylak able to move into the midfield. But um, I know that you asked uh, uh, Freddie Juarez about that as well. Yeah, no. So um, there's a fair bit to unravel here. Um, Freddie, Freddie admitted that the New York Red Bulls game when Douglas Martinez came on was the perfect scenario. And, and it was the perfect game for, for Douglas to have an impact. Now, there are a couple of reasons why. Um, and you, I know, Spenno, uh, understand this. I assume most people that show up to Rio Tinto Stadium also have a pretty good understanding of how teams, when they come into Rio Tinto Stadium, how they like to play. Yeah. Uh, Deep, right. So uh, there isn't all that much space for strikers to be able to work in because the centre-backs are predominantly placed across the edge of their own area, right? So to to try and get balls in and behind the back four is incredibly difficult. And specifically, this this occurs when teams go up 
a goal. You know, if, if they go up in the first half, early in the second half, it, really whenever, if, if a team goes up at least one goal against Real Salt Lake at Rio Tinto Stadium, they drop deeper and deeper and deeper as the game goes on. What the Red Bulls were doing was not that, interestingly enough. Uh, despite being up a goal, Freddie said, their line was still rather high. Douglas Martinez's strength is his speed and his ability to get in and behind defenders. He's also very, very skilled with ball at feet, and he's a menace when the ball's in the air. Now, there is a weakness that Freddie Juarez talked about that I think will, will, will be fascinating for most RSL fans, they say the one area that, that Dougie Fresh needs to, needs to work on is holding the ball up when his back's to the goal. And you might think to yourself, Spenner, well, that, you know, we haven't seen much of him play. If you haven't been down to the Zebra to watch the Monarchs last year, maybe, maybe you didn't, didn't realise this. But for how tall and big he is, you'd think he'd have a, he'd have a pretty good grasp on, on holding up the ball and, and, and keeping his back to the goal and kind of playing other players in and, and the like, but he's not. That, that's, that's, his, that's his weakness. Um, and so my follow-up question was, well, have you, have you thought about playing a two-prone attack, two strikers, you know, whether it's a 4-4-2 or, or a 3-5-2, whatever the case. And um, one of the reasons behind that would be because one of Sam Johnson's strengths is when his back's to the goal. He's incredibly strong. Um, and he holds the ball up really well. In fact, just about as well as any striker has done so since Saborio left the club back in, what was that, 2015? So you'd think to yourself, Dougie Fresh playing alongside Sam Johnson, match made in heaven, right? Sammy J has a lot of skills. You know, he's a lot of ability to do a ton of things on the football pitch. But one of them is to play with his back to the goal, something Dougie Fresh has a harder time with. So um, Freddy Juarez admitted uh, that days before the Orlando game, the first the first game, he had extensive conversations with his assistant coaches as to whether or not they were going to play a 3-5-2. And he said, um, he said he decided against it because he felt as though it was the wrong decision to make considering what they had been working on during preseason. He said it would be unfair to the playing group to put in all this work um, trying to perfect and master the four-two-three-one that RSL's been playing for for quite a few seasons now. To change that so abruptly, he also mentioned that you know it's his first year in the job, right? So I know we had conversations before the season started. You know, if you were Freddie Juarez, what would you do? Would you take a risk early? Would you try and get into the swing of things? And then if things aren't working out, then you start taking risks and changing formations. Well, he's, he admitted to to basically going with the approach that he's going to play the four-two-three-one. And he's going to try and master that with the personnel he has with the roster. Uh, but, but by all means, there may be a time down the road where he says, you know what, enough's enough. I reckon this team's better suited to a different formation. And it sounds like 3-5-2 is the answer. And I know, Spenno, because we've talked about this, you, uh, you don't hate that formation. No, I don't. I don't hate the uh, 3 4 3 or the 3 5 2. And the reason is that if anybody's read my EPL article, even though it's on pause right now, whenever I get to write about Sheffield United or Wolverhampton Wanderers. I love watching play, Wolves. Right? The, Neves. They, right? Neves. Ruben Neves. But they play a 4 3. Sorry, a 3 4 3. Um, Sheffield United play a 3-5-2. Slightly different variations, but with the wing backs, with I think Donny Toya and 
uh, Aaron Herrera are well suited to because they both played wing in college. They both played one, and, and Gomi Toy was a winger uh, when he first broke through at Real Salt Lake in the academy uh, as a first academy player. So very, very comfortable going forward. Um, and they can drop in to make a five when you defend. So, yes, I think that we have the personnel. What I'd like to see, and even though he wants to master that 4-2-3-1. Um, By the way, uh, I'm not for the 4-2-3-1. I don't I, hate it. I don't, I don't hate, hate it either. But I don't like it. I think Albert should be dropping back in to make a 4-3-3. I agree. So anyway, I, think, anyway. I think the roster is better suited for another formation. I didn't have the guts to share that with Freddie. I should have been on. I would have done it. I know you would have. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I just think, I think that, you know, there's what I would like to see is that there's transitions and different formations within a 90 minute period where you have the ability to go and use a uh, Aaron Herrera to slip in as a, as a third center back. Um, you have a Corey Baird that's able to play wing back or, or a um, uh, Justin Miram or Donny Toya, whatever, um, that you have the ability to go and do that. Or even, uh, heavens forbid, uh, Everton Louise to drop back. He drops very deep anyway as that, as that uh, defensive midfielder. He picked the ball up from the uh, centre-backs and make that a three. We've seen Kyle Beckman do that last season a couple of times as well. So I'd love to be able to see that. Um, transition throughout a, a fluid uh, different types of formations, not only when they defend, but when they attack. Um, I think that Freddie, once he gets comfortable, as he said, he's in his first year, he's right to be cautious. This is a huge opportunity for him. He doesn't want to bugger it up and uh, find himself out of a job because he overstretched himself. But I think that when you, when you see him get more comfortable, I think you'll see an even more fluid side. And, and to be honest with you, the sky's the limit. Uh, I know, New York Red Bulls play long ball football. They were undone a lot the week before they played Real Salt Lake against FC Cincinnati because their line is so high. Um, and that was an issue. That's why they didn't hold on for a, all three points against Real Salt Lake. They were too high. They allowed the players like Justin Miriam, like Jason Ramirez and Douglas Martinez to get in behind far, far too often. And uh, thank goodness they did. Uh, because otherwise RSL would have been looking at just the one point. Going back to the Orlando game, again, I completely agree with him not messing around with things. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, but taking a point on the road in Major League Soccer, as I've always said, uh, and you know this, I say this all the time, man, Major League Soccer is one of the toughest leagues to go on the road uh, and get points, particularly uh, when you, you're talking about almost coast-to-coast travel. So uh, a point in the bag against uh, Orlando, who aren't great, but do have a great coach in Oscar Barea. Great start to the season, in my opinion, for Real Salt Lake. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think boneheaded move by Chris Armas, the head coach of New York Red Bull. That made no sense. I mean, you're up 1-0 against Real Salt Lake, who have historically been like one of the harder teams to beat uh, at home, at, at the yep. riot. So wh- mm-hmm. why would you... Why would you continue to play such a high line? Just drop back and defend for, for your life and see if you can get out of here with, with three points. I mean, three points at Rio Tinto Stadium is good enough for six points at other away fixtures. You know, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. I'm thinking, and this is just me, um, Justin Miram's not fully 90 minutes. Jason Ramirez 
is is just joined the team. He's an unknown. He's young. Jesse Lepi Rossi is out. Sam Johnson's out. They've got a New York Red Bulls two reject in Douglas Martinez. Didn't realize he just scored a ton of ton of goals in USL and won a championship. And has obviously got a chip on his shoulder. Um, and we're playing a central midfielder up top. Uh, I, I think obviously with the lack of pace that was there, and and obviously Corey Baird just coming back from injury. As I said. Um, uh, Justin Miram, uh, not 90-minute fits. I think he underestimated Real Salt Lake. Uh, and I doubt if um, we see uh, East versus West fixtures for the rest of the season. That's another conversation that we can have. I'm kind of leaning towards that it's just going to be West against West and East against East. Who has, whoever has the best records uh, will, will have a playoff and maybe have a shortened season. But that's another theory and uh, we can go on about that another time. But yeah, I think there was just a maybe uh, he underestimated Real Salt Lake and and uh, the depth and the desire of the squad. So to go back to uh, uh, to go real soccer geeky with everybody because uh, I know you're all about it. So are uh-huh. you in favour of the three five two or are you in favour of the three four three? Either or Real Salt care. Lake. Or I, you don't either right? I, I don't care because I love watching. What you'll find with with um, with uh, Sheffield United's three five two, they're 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 more of a blue collar team uh, with a coach that is progressive, but is a local lad, definitely blue collar, and they are in his image. When you look at uh, Nuno Espirito Santo's Wolves, much more expansive, polished. Yeah, prettier on the eye, I would say. Probably give up. Uh, they do give up more goals because I think Sheffield United have like the second best defense in uh, the EPL. But um, but they do score more goals. And who wants to, you know, who I know defense wins championships. Uh, the old saying goes in in foot in American football. But uh, I mean, we don't score enough goals as it is. So I'm all for the uh, for the more polished version. Um, and more more technical ability, and uh, you know, if it, if it did do that, I think it'd be fun. I mean, we've already got the three centre backs, already got the three centre backs. So, well, so what? Okay, who? Marcelo Silva, Nadim Onuoha, Justin Glad. Yeah, I mean, if you if that's the way you're going to start. Then, then I think you, you you're really really solid. You have got Eric Holt there. To I was going to say up. you can plug Eric Holt in there too yeah. when one of the lads gets tired. Yeah. Aaron Herrera can play centre back for crying out loud. Could, could. I think I prefer him as a wing back though because he's got energy and he's got speed up and down all day long. And I mean the wing, not right. Or wasn't being inappropriate. No, 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 no. You would never do that. So uh, not on this podcast. No, no. It's a KSL production, baby. We exactly. Love, love our employee, but uh, uh, nonetheless. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, you I want Albert Rusnak to drop back further than what he is in the four-two-three-one. Yeah, because he can join the attack anyway. He can join. I mean, he's great on the ball, great running on the ball. And I think he can dictate the play a little bit further back. Particularly when you have players like Corey Baird, Justin Miram, Giuseppe Rossi, Jason Ramirez, um, Sam Johnson, Douglas Martinez. You know, there's, there's plenty of players that uh, he can uh, dictate play a little bit better and, uh, and be more involved. Um, sometimes he gets skipped a little bit when he's a little bit higher up on the on, on the pitch. I don't really want him in the box. No, I neither do in, I. I want him in and around the top of the box, either spraying the ball out wide, well weighted to the players, uh, right foot, correct foot, so it can be a first time cross, or they can take a touch, or yeah, he can strike the ball from the top of the area. Well, he scored most of his goals for the Claret and Cobol outside the box anyway. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, 
he's got an engine on him, so he can come from deep as well, like Demir Krylak. Um, I, I would love to see him in a 4-3-3 with, with overlapping uh, wing backs and wingers that can pinch in. So, uh, yeah, we talked about that a lot. So, Well, uh, yeah, the only, I guess the only, the only scary part of that whole thing is uh, can your wing backs get back in time? You know, if, you, if, you, if, if you're sloppy up front and you turn the ball over Don't carelessly. Don't be sloppy. No, it can't be. can't be because if you turn the ball over in your attacking third, right as you think you're about to score, somebody makes a, a, a silly mistake with the ball and turns it over, then all of a sudden you're very susceptible going back the other way, aren't you? There's a, there's a lot of space for Major League Soccer attackers to, to operate in. And, and when you come up against, you know, some of the best in North America, the Josef Martinez of the world, I mean, they will make you pay. So there is risk involved in it. But I agree with you. I think Real Salt Lake don't score enough goals as is. You know, I think they have a hard time putting the ball in the back of the onion bag. And if a different formation helps, then so be it. Away we go. Go for it. I also think, you know, and, and I also think the fan base has just been itching you know, to get back to the, the days at Rio Tinto State. And you can speak more to this than I can because you've been around the club longer than I have, Spenner. But the days where, you know, going into the riot, you almost, you almost knew there were going to be two, three goals scored from Real mm-hmm. Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just feel as though we're not quite there yet. You're just hoping that, you know, they can play a decent brand of soccer and, and get results, right? But, mm-hmm. but you don't know how many goals they're going to score. You know, the chance of them scoring more than three on any given Saturday is, is probably pretty slim right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we saw uh, plenty of good stuff against New York. And I know we, we just referenced New York Red Bulls all the time. You know, there was over 20 shots. Um, that was a bit more like it. Um, uh, New York also played into RSL's hands a little bit as well. So I, I do think the other, the other teams will be a lot more disciplined. Uh, when you think about discipline, you think about, um, in seasons past, um, Seattle. You think about Portland, um, even a, a few years back, Sporting Kansas City, um, that, that would come in and, and snuff you out and, and, and really just sit back and hit you on the break. The great thing about this is, is that... Um, when you play the right midfield and you play the right forward, you're not babysitting certain players. Um, I think you're a lot tougher to, to break down. Um, and, and I think obviously Everton Louise is a huge part of that. Um, if you are able to play a higher line uh, because Justin Glad starts, then you close those lines. You, I invite the pressure to go for them to go long, which is, as we know, is, is a little bit more difficult. Yes, you can have success. New York had success. Um, doing that uh, a couple of times. But, um, you know, when you've got the speed of Justin Glover back there, the, the recovery speed of Aaron Herrera, um, then I think then, then, then you, even though you're inviting that type of soccer, uh, you've also got a goalkeeper in Zach McMath that is very much on the front foot. He does like to come out of his area uh, and play that sweeper role, similar to how Nicky did. Um, probably not Nicky's level. It's probably it's really tough to, to replace yeah. Nick Romando, but you the know, but you, you, you yeah, you, you know what I'm trying to say. He's he doesn't mind, he doesn't mind coming out of his area. He's very comfortable with the ball at his feet. Right. I think you're seeking growing confidence. David Ochoa is another goalkeeper that's very comfortable with the ball at his feet long term as he continues to progress. Um, I don't think you're going to skip a beat, and uh, and uh, it's his time uh, going back to him to to take the number one jersey. Right. I, I also think, Spano, I guess to, to mm-hmm. kind of wrap this whole thing up, 
when when it comes to defending opposing teams, personally, I think Major League Soccer, although you know there, there, there's some really talented players within the league, there aren't that many of them that can play consistently really accurate flat balls over the top of center backs. They, it's not the Premier League, you know. You, you don't have the Steven Gerrards, the Frank Lampards, the Paul Scholes in their prime where they can just whip a ball back and forth from sideline to sideline and hit you right on the nipple. I mean, you know, a lot of the time, a lot of these balls float in the air far too high and centre-backs can track them, you know, pretty easy. So if, 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 if opposing teams are going to attack Real Salt Lake with the ball in the air, I personally, if I was Freddie, would feel a lot more comfortable about that as opposed to ping it around on the oh. ground. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, over the top, you've got the recovery speed of Justin Glad. If, you, if, if the positioning is right, you dropped. You've got Nida Monawuha and Marcelo Silva, who are really very solid in the air and um, you know, will win a lot of headers. If that's, the, if that's the battle that you choose to have, RSL have different types of centre-backs, ones that will, will step up and, and, and go toe-to-toe in that physical battle, or ones that will drop off and and mop you up with with their speed. So I mean, yeah, there's there's it's why um, I think this is the deepest group uh, that Real Salt Lake has had, uh, yeah. deeper than last year, uh, with regards to different types of options. And then I guess you know, talking more about Real Salt Lake, I think Real Salt Lake far more dangerous when they keep the ball on the ground, play mm-hmm. play more of the you know Thierry Henry Arsenal type days, the Barcelona type. Cool. How good were they? But um, I, I think they're far more dangerous keeping the ball on the ground as opposed to going through the air anyway. Um, hey, you know how last week we talked, I, I told you that Freddie Juarez had reached out to a few friends. Oh, maybe did he expand? Coaches. Well, he didn't expand, but I think I know who one of them is. Mark Briggs. Oh, how'd you know? Uh, I kind of heard as well. <laughs> uh, so I know there has been some conversation about between him and uh, Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, who's the uh, coach at uh, Red Bull Leipzig? Uh, did I lose you? No, but you've frozen. Oh, there you are. There, there you go. are. So we froze. We froze. So anyway, Ju- Julian Nagelsmann, who's the head coach of Red Bull uh, Leipzig, uh, was the uh, head coach of. Um, Oh my gosh, another German team that I've just completely uh, forgotten. So they play in blue, very small town. Uh, anyway, he made his name there and it's going to come to me and, and I'll be really, really disappointed in myself. Is it the blue fact, and black crest? I don't know. Um, hmm. Hang on. I'm just going to look up. It's not Schalke that you're all thinking. No. It's not Schalke. Um, hang on. Germany Bundesliga. I'm going to have to look it because it will, it will really annoy me if I don't understand uh, which team it was that he used to coach. Uh, bloody Nora. But nonetheless, Big Briggsy, that's who the people care about, Spenner. Big Briggsy's yeah. back in the fold. And, and Freddie admitted that he speaks with Briggsy on the regular, which I was just thrilled to hear because um, I know you and I, both big fans of, of Mark Briggs and, and what he was able to achieve, the impact he was able to have on, on the club while he was here. Uh, so just to hear that Freddie... And, and his relationship with Briggsy has, um, ha- has not been hurt in any way, shape, or form, I thought. Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim, right. I hate myself. That's anyway. Right. Sound like they, so, they eat a lot of brats out there in Hoffenheim. They probably do. Like they probably the do. brats. Now, let me say, Julian Nagelsmann. Jeez, what was that? Dogs okay? That wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, the dogs are barking. 
Um, no, there wasn't anything like that. But he um, thinks outside of the box. He's he's always trying. He's very very young. He's probably he's young. He's wait. He's like ten years, maybe fifteen years younger than I am. Anyway, um, always thinking outside the box, and he's doing virtual um, training programs with his players that are stuck at home. And I just thought that was awesome. And I know that he and Mike Briggsy and uh, and uh, Freddie. Freddie were talking about, you know, what what uh, Red Bull Leipzig have, have been up to uh, during this uh, lockdown. Yeah, no, and um, uh, Freddie talked about that too. They think they're going to start trying to implement a bit of that however they can. So that's cool. Um, I had one question I was going to ask Freddie, but I'll admit didn't have the guts to do it. Maybe next week I'll... Um, I'll have the confidence, but I was dying, Spenno, to ask if the Demir Krylak number nine experiment has come to an end. That's a good one. I know, but I feel like he could take offence to it. No, I don't think he'll take offence to it because I think you'll see it probably a handful more times uh, when the right players aren't available. Sure, uh, and that's so. the main reason I didn't <laughs> because I, I don't think the experiment's over. Personal. No, I'm not sure if it's an experiment. I think it's it's more of a personnel. Uh, if we lack the personnel, then you're going to see Demir Krylak. He's good at holding the ball up, good at defending from the front. Um, I think you'll see that when when the right personnel aren't available. Um, I'm hoping, and I think you are as well, is that you see Demir, uh, Albert, and Everton as that midfield three, and uh, Douglas Martinez, Giuseppe Rossi, Sam Johnson as your your number nine moving forward. But yeah, that's, that's a big, big question. A good one, though. I, I, you know, if I'm on there next week, I'll throw it out there. Let's, let's oh, get no. together before we do that. Uh, Please. And, and then uh, you, know, you can tell me, you can get me to ask all the questions that you won't. Yeah. He already, Pet- he already hates me anyway. Petrified. <laughs> uh, Spenno, it's been real. Uh, I appreciate you. Good to hear. Good to see you. Love you. Yeah, love you as well. And uh, go Giants. Um, the only ballpark yeah, I've been to. Great so. ballpark. I'm all about them. Uh, We'll do this uh, again next week. Love you, RSL Nation. uh, 